explained. Can you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5? It's page 1678 and uh, we're looking at um, uh, verse 21 this morning. Uh, but as you're looking for page 1678, I'll just mention a few things. One is it's Anand's birthday today. Happy birthday, Anand. I've seen him all morning and I haven't said anything. Uh, 20th of Feb is Willow's birthday. Happy birthday to Willow. And then 23rd of Feb is Anastasia Fawkes' birthday. I suspect she's also with Steve at the other church, so wish her when you see her. Um, there's a magazine here, uh, if you'd like to take it. Um, it's called Hudson Taylor Ministries. It's actually a Presbyterian um, uh, church work, but uh, the church uh, are sponsoring missionaries uh, into China. And um, it, I don't know about you, but there's lots we hear about China, which is anecdotal. And if you'd like to hear stories about what is happening in terms of the gospel in China, this might be good. Um, it's one, another one, it's like Murph, uh, they don't ask for money. They just want you to read, know and pray about the work. And so please come and help yourself and uh, grab one of these if you want after the service. I strongly encourage it. Um, and then uh, if you go to Stocklands or if you go into the neighbourhood for a walk sometime, um, can I encourage you to also take some of these cards they're just to keep on the front of people's minds uh, the fact that we're killing uh, thousands of babies uh, every year in this country, even before the babies get to see a day of sunlight or breathe fresh air, they are murdered. And um, so this possibly might encourage one lady who might be pregnant not to have an abortion and to have uh, the, uh, give birth to their baby. This week we had uh, a lady actually choose to give birth to a baby and she needed help uh, for meals and it was very exciting to see the ladies of this church uh, get their meals. It'll come up in the message as well but um, I was pretty excited that morning. Uh, let me pray and let's have a uh, look at this passage. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we come not to be those who uh, uh, critics of your word or people who sit on top of your word but uh, rather we come to submit uh, to your word we sit under it uh, we have the word of God speaking to us and uh, shedding light into our dark hearts and removing our sin and rebellion and uh, showing us uh, the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ and Lord we pray uh, that you would do that for us uh, this morning we ask this in Jesus name Amen uh, so, if you read at Ephesians chapter 5, I'll just read from verse, uh, uh, verse 15, and we'll go to verse 21. Uh, let's read. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be wise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. 
And obviously verse 21 is our focus. Let me read that again so that it can get your minds focused. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now let's study this. The first uh, heading is that uh, submission needs a work of the Holy Spirit. Now normally I try to have a catchy or a controversial introduction to get your attention at the beginning of each service. I don't need to do that this week. Um, the verse has done all the work for me. Uh, just the one word actually in the verse has done it for me. That word submission. The minute I use the word submission I know I've got your attention because it's a dirty word. Um, it's something we really don't like to hear about. And the fact that it's actually brought up straight away, um, instantly the back of your hair should have started to rise and you're saying, now I wonder what he's going to say. Uh, well, let me tell you what Isaiah says about us. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. All of us are unsubmissive. We have turned everyone to his own way. Uh, submission is not in our DNA, is it? Um, submission, uh, imagine you're going to a job interview and someone asks you in a job interview, how submissive are you? Um, well, if I was asked that question, and I never have been asked that question, I'd be saying, well, submission is not one of my core competencies. Um, on the other hand, what I can say is I'm very aware of my rights. Um, and I think you can also say that you know exactly what you want. Um, we'll either find a sneaky way or a stubborn way uh, to make sure that we get what we want. And it really doesn't matter what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what any authority says. When we want something, we actually celebrate the fact that people go for it and get it no matter what. Um, in essence, we're born focused on ourselves, aren't we? Um, we are self-centered. Uh, it, it makes us thoughtless. We, we can't think about other people. We wake up in the morning and our starting thought is, what will I do for myself? How, how can I make myself happy? Um, uh, we feel something's going to be good for us and so we act in our interest. We actually get told you need to act in your interest. Do what's best for you. We crave for something and we cry until we get it. Uh, we're not governed by principles. We're not governed by wisdom. No, no. Uh, it's instincts and feelings. Um, what, what comes from within? Uh, that's what I want. Teachers see this right about now. School is starting and uh, the spoiled brats turn up on day one and they act purely on their feelings. Um, they were allowed to do whatever they liked for six weeks. Uh, but it all came to an end. It all came to grief on day one of school. Um, and they think they can come to school and operate like they run the place. Um, you, you cannot operate a school if every child throws a tantrum every time you say, I want all the iPads off. Um, you see, when we look at kids, we sort of see it, don't we? Kids speak without thinking. Uh, we say, don't we, you go to school and kids can be cruel. 
Uh, you'd turn up to school the day with a pimple on your face and you're sort of hoping no one will notice it. You turn up and in assembly someone will say to you, what's that on your face? Um, the kids act without considering the other person at all. Um, they'll bent, belt up anybody that gets in their way. Um, they throw tantrums. Uh, they're lords and they're rulers, uh, really, of their own lives, at least in their own minds. Um, it's so easy to spot a spoiled brat if you go to a school. Um, I teach scripture every year and I wait to find the naughtiest kid. And he's going to be my target for the whole term. And I figure if I go hard at him, the rest will follow. And so the first thing, I barely write something on the board and I say, come up and you wipe it off. And then I'll keep moving him and getting him. It's always him, by the way. Um, you get the picture. You can spot him straight away. The spoiled brat you can never spot is the brat in the mirror. Um, yet this is our natural disp disposition, isn't it? Um, from birth. It's easy to submit when you get told to do something that you actually want to do. Not a problem. Uh, I'd like you to book a restaurant because we're going out. Yeah, sure, I'll do that. Um, but it's impossible to submit when you get asked to do something that you don't want to do. Um, when something grates against your natural desire. Um, this is what makes submission really so tough. Uh, it makes it distasteful. It's something uh, abhorrent. And the, the facts are, if we actually did it, it would be better for us, but because we refuse to do it, our very natural disposition gets us into so much trouble. Uh, folks, submission is absolutely impossible without the new birth. It is impossible without a new heart. Uh, our old hearts have to be replaced because the ones we received from birth were faulty. And we need a new heart. We need that old heart conquered. We need that old heart dethroned. Because the old heart just cannot submit. Um, so if you're not a Christian this morning, for me to read a command like this, submit to one another, well, it's crazy talk. You cannot do it. Um, even if you tried, you would not be able to do it. And Paul himself knew this firsthand. Um, he thought uh, he was a pretty good bloke. He didn't think he needed to be subdued and conquered. He was on his way, thinking he was the most righteous person on earth, and he went on his way to kill every disciple of Jesus. And um, on his way, uh, Jesus threw him off his horse. Uh, and on the ground... Paul was really dethroned, not just from his horse. Because Jesus asked him the question, doesn't he? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And there he is lying on the ground. He's blinded physically. But his eyes are open spiritually, aren't they? He, he was conquered. Uh, and rather than seeking self-interest, 
he now was self-aware. Just riding out on his horse, he thought he was the most righteous man on earth. On the ground, he realized there's no one righteous. No, not one. Uh, He knew that even he himself was the very scum of the earth. What does he cry out? He says to Jesus, Lord, uh, what do you want me to do? Folks, this is where submission starts. When you become a Christian. When God conquers your old heart and you receive a new heart. Uh, If you have not received a new heart that loves and wants to be ruled by Christ, uh, you're not a Christian. Um, uh, There has to be a time when your desire for self-rule dies. There has to be a time when your desire to do your own thing changes and you're basically longing for the fact that you are ruled by someone outside yourself. You see, Paul could put it this way. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. You see, it's at this point Paul said, I give up self-rule. I need someone from outside to rule me. I need someone from outside to tell me how I make my next decision. And that person I'm choosing is Jesus. Folks, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is not something that you can do on your own. You cannot muster it up with a lot of closed eyes and bending on your knees. What you need to do is keep crying to God till God does the work. Uh, Otherwise you'll just find it impossible. And so it should not shock us at all that when we come to verse 21, we find it embedded in the context of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, look at verses, verse 18 of chapter 5. You see, this is the leading verse. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is the same as being under the control of the Spirit. We've been learning that over the last two weeks. Being filled with the Spirit is being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, It's not a one-off experience that you get in a corner and you uh, uh, say a lot of rubbish. No, it's a way of life. It's walking in the Spirit. And then last week we grappled with verses 18 and 20 and we noticed that being filled with the Spirit is linked to activities. It was linked to singing, it was linked to giving thanks, and this week we find it's also linked to submitting. Um, Look at verse 19 again and let's go through it and you'll see. If you go just a little bit to to verse 18 it says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now we studied those three things, the speaking and singing, the giving thanks we studied and now we're into submitting. They're all participles. They're all linked to the big verb, be filled. Uh, And they're slightly ambiguous. You can take them either way we found last week. So we could put it this way. 
Christians love singing, giving thanks and submitting because the Holy Spirit controls them. Uh, we could say that singing, praying and submitting are the fruit of the Spirit or fruit of being controlled by the Spirit. Or another way we could put it is uh, that these verses encourage us to engage in singing and in praying or giving thanks and in submitting. Because in these activities, in the very means of grace, the Holy Spirit is exerting his influence upon us. Um, as you engage in these activities and even submitting to one another, the Holy Spirit operates in you to make you more like Jesus. It really doesn't matter which way you take these participles, frankly. There is no doubt from the passage that you will not submit without the work of the Spirit. And so in the first place, we need the Holy Spirit to submit. The second thing, a submission to one another is firstly in the church. Now, can I, I, I don't like doing this, honestly, but it's a little technical and I really would like to help us get a, a feel for the, the brilliance of the mind of the Apostle Paul and just the way he structures an argument. Uh, we're in the practical section of Ephesians here and, and he's finished in the first three chapters telling us that God has a great plan of salvation. Uh, and in essence, this great plan is being worked out through the duration of the world's existence. So while this world is around and the sun still rises and the moon comes up next, guess what? God is working His purposes and a great plan of salvation. And what is the plan? Well, it's for Jesus to build His church. Uh, and He's going to build it with sinners like you and I. The foolish things of this world is what He's going to bring in and bring into the church. God had determined from before time to give his son a people and they must be given to his son because God never fails. This is where chapter 3 ends, that Jesus will receive a people, the people will be the church and the church is, through, is the mechanism by which God is working out his great plan in this world. And then we come to part 2 which starts at chapter 4 to chapter 6. And there, God is telling us, or Paul is telling us, what God requires of us, what God requires of the church. Uh, we're brought into the church freely. God, by His grace or by gift, gives us spiritual life. But spiritual life is expressed in a church, a local church. And from chapter 4, Paul makes it really clear, his agenda is God's agenda. And the agenda is very clear. He wants the church to do well. He wants the welfare of the church. And so chapter 4 kicks off with this uh, word saying you should walk worthy of your calling. And what does that mean? It says it means to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And so he starts off by saying, I want you to focus on the unity of the church. And then the whole of chapter 4 is all about how to do it. Chapter 5 kicks off with roughly the same theme. He says, be imitators of God. And now notice, how do you do that? He gives them three headings to, to do that. He says, walk in love, just as Christ also loved us. Verse 2, you should have picked that up. Walk as children of light, producing the fruit of spirit. Verse 8, 
And then verse 15, walk as wise people, not as fools, which we read this morning. And then you've got to ask the question, what does it mean to walk wisely? Well, he once again explains that under three headings. It means to redeem the time. It means to understand the will of the Lord. And third, it means to be filled or under the control of the Holy Spirit. So you see he's working in threes, isn't he? So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, he comes up with three headings again. And these people that keep coming up with three headings. Um, he's speaking to one another and, the, and to the Lord in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. That's what it means to be filled. Giving thanks to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and then submitting to one another in the fear of God. You see, and then you're going to say, please explain submitting to me a little bit more because I really don't like it. I really need you to be really clear about it. Well, he's going to give you three headings about how to submit and we're going to cover that in the future weeks. Folks, more submission talk. Uh, but the first place what you've got to pick up is this term submission is brought up in the context of the church and the welfare of the church. That's exactly what Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5 have been doing. They've been talking about the welfare of the church. He does not start off by saying go home and start submitting in the home. He does not say start with your children and get your kids to submit to you. If you get your kids to submit to you, then the church will be better. He doesn't say that. Uh, th there's an argument for it possibly. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't hammer wives into submission. Perhaps if you had submissive wives, that would contribute to church life. But he doesn't say that. No, he says, I want you to start with submission in the church. You see, we, we've got this mindset, haven't we? If I can fix my quiet time at home, well, then I'm pretty good and then I can come to church. If I can sort out my family life, well, I must be going okay at home so I can go to church. If I have a fight with my wife on Sunday morning, well, I'm not going to church because I'm not fit to go to church. And Paul is saying, get your thinking the other way around. Um, he's saying, get used to the fact that you're not fit. There's no one righteous. So come to church first and God will work in you. Bring all your sin to Christ and Christ will redeem you. Come to church and bring your petitions to God and all your problems to Him and He will work with you. You, you see, if you're a Christian, you, you, you know this. Um, you know that when you come into the people of God and amongst the worship of the people of God, uh, the Spirit exerts his influence. He starts to rule. He starts to expose to you your sin. And he starts to work in you a, a desire and a hunger for God. You see, we live in a society that preaches and celebrates individualism. Get everything right yourself. Do it yourself. Be a self-made man. Um, we're so absorbed with self. Uh, the Christian, on the other hand, has been dethroned and self doesn't rule anymore. Uh, self is dead. What the Christian wants is to be ruled by Christ. 
And so the Christian expresses their new life not with individualism. No, the Christian expresses their new life in a community under the rule of Christ. The Christian is not seeking to be noticed. The Christian is not seeking to be an influencer. No, the Christian wants to be influenced. The Christian wants to be ruled. Um, it is totally wrong to think of a Christian outside the church. Uh, I cannot say that strongly enough. Today we even think if someone just rocks up to church every now and then and says they are a Christian, well then they must be a Christian. If someone wants to identify as a Christian, well what more do you want? Um, folks, 70% of Australia identify as Christians. And are you really excited about that statistic this morning? Do you actually go home and call Australia a Christian country? You see, the other option is to think of Christians in this way. We think a Christian is someone who does stuff. If they turn up to a meeting here or there, well, they must be a Christian. If they mow the lawn at the church once a year, well, they must be a Christian. This too is wrong. Yes, it does start off with a person saying they're a Christian. But, but the early church paid attention to whether the person had been dethroned from self. Had there been this massive change? Even John the Baptist, you know, he's baptizing there uh, before the days of Jesus. And Pharisees come to him and he says, I'm not going to baptize you unless you bring forth fruit. Fruit of repentance. Um, in the early church, once a person was baptized, they were brought into the church. If they joined the church and then halfway through their journey as a Christian, they decided to reject Bible truth or reject uh, that which is taught as Christian life from the scriptures, well then the church would say to that person, you are out of the church. You, you see, they were under the submission of the church. They were brought in by the church and they were loosed or let out if they did, needed to be by the church. The church knew exactly who was in and the church knew exactly who was out of the church. So Lehman puts it this way, Jesus did not choose us to govern ourselves and to care for ourselves individually. He did not leave us to go around individually to affirm or identify ourselves as Christians. No, he left an institution, he left a family, he left a kingdom of citizens and a family of members to care for one another. Uh, Matthew 16, we read at the beginning of the service, says exactly that. It says, Jesus, Peter wakes up and says, you're the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. And uh, basically Jesus says, on this, on people who profess to be Christians, I'll build my church. And then he says, really, the church will be given this authority to add and this authority to loose. Authority to bind or the authority to throw out. Once someone is added to the church... They become sharers in this authority. We all then become one family and we affirm our conversion and we oversee 
each other in our walk as Christians. So in the first place, as we submit to one another, how do we submit? Well, a believer will come to a church and they will submit to a church. Uh, not to the pastor, but to the church. They will express they have become a Christian to a local church and they will ask the local church to examine their Christianity. They will want the church to examine that they have a credible profession. This is submission. This is humble submission. Lehman again. A church member is someone who is formally recognized as a Christian. A church member is a person who has been officially and publicly recognized as a Christian by the church before the nations. Uh, Christians will long to have a family oversee their life. Uh, they will long to have spiritual safeguards on their walk with God. They want help because they are not self-made people. And so in the first place, a Christian will submit to the church in the fear of God. And the obvious question to you is, uh, will you consider being a member of a local church and submit to God's church? Not necessarily even this church. The second and the third point, sorry, our submission must be in the fear of the Lord. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says, the word submit is an army word. He says, you can join an army voluntarily, you make the decision to join an army, but once you join an army, you're immediately under an officer. You are no longer an individual, you belong to a regiment. Uh, once you have signed on the dot of the line, you have not just signed to join the army, you've signed away your right to choose to do your own thing. You cannot choose your own activities. You cannot choose when to wake up. You cannot choose your food. Uh, in the army, you cannot even have a holiday when you want. You have to think of when the army needs you first. Um, it doesn't matter if you have Lee Boeing. In essence, you sign away your right to rule your life. Uh, if you choose to live as you wish in an army, you'll be taken up to an army court and it will be considered insubordination. You'll be chucked out. Now, nowhere in the Bible do we find the church likened to an army. So then what should a church be likened to is the obvious question. Uh, for some of us, we like to liken it to a charity. I drop five cents in the yellow box out there, well, I must be part of the church. Uh, folks, I can honestly tell you God doesn't want your money. It, perhaps it's a social club. I come to this church because I hang out with people my age or I hang out with people my nationality. Or perhaps it's a cafe where we just turn up and have coffee. Um, or for others it's an RSL club where we run events to try and attract the people to bring them in. Um, what, what should we liken a church to? Well, Romans 12 tells us we liken it to a body. Let me read Romans 12 verses 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individual members of one another. 
Have you noticed how connected a body is? Organically, naturally connected. Uh, have you noticed how dependent the body is on the different parts of the body? Uh, can you picture a body disconnected from its leg? Can you, bo uh, can you f think about functioning without your eyes? Uh, Paul in Ephesians 2, he, he really does the overload within illustrations. And we'll go to Ephesians 2, for instance, verse 19. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God. He, he's just mixed them all up here. On the one hand, you're a refugee who's left your country and you are now brought into the citizenship of the kingdom of God with a king who rules. On the other hand, uh, you've been a child left on the street and brought in and adopted to be a member of God's family. You see the two pictures, a citizen of a kingdom where a king rules, a family where there is love and connectedness, but there is also order. And then from verse 20 in the same passage in Ephesians 2, he says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You, you see, it's a tightly fitted building. Not a bunch of loose rocks. It's a tightly fitted building that is put together quite deliberately to worship God. And Peter, not to be outdone, says we're a priesthood. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Folks, I can go on and on and on with all the illustrations the Bible gives us about the church. Uh, there is connectivity, cohesion. There is order, commitment, there is love and care and concern. There is purpose for why a church is brought together to worship and praise God. How many pictures are employed by the New Testament to describe church? Uh, they teach so much and we just don't have time to cover it. But how grand is the plan of God's church? If God's plan is for Jesus to build his church, Whilst ever this earth is alive, while ever this church exists, well, folks, it's inconceivable that a Christian would deliberately choose not to submit to a local church. But the bigger question and the bigger problem for all of us is, what does submission look like in church? Um, I was talking to someone about it. And uh, they said, tell me something about submission. And I was telling them a little bit about submission and it came up quite randomly from this, this message. And at the end of it they said, well, if so-and-so submits to this person, this person submits to this one, he said, so you're the only person who doesn't submit to anyone. And that's not really what the passage is saying. Uh, please notice it says it's in the fear of God. In the fear of Christ, as some translations say. Uh, the first thing that submission looks like in a church is a visible desire to submit to the Word of God. In the first place, in the worship here, 
we want to only bring in that which God commands us. We do not want to invent our own stuff. I might some mornings like a movie, a play or possibly a slideshow. But we have no choice. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. And there must be preaching. We might want to sing songs that come off the top 100 in the popular secular culture. But we can only sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs which sing about God. We can pray uh, to, we might want to pray to all the different gods one at a time. But, but that's not what the scripture tells us. The scripture says to have only one God. And that we must come to him in prayer. And so the pastor's job is to search the scriptures to teach the people what can be added into worship and what must be subtracted out of worship. And you as a people must study it as well to make sure that our worship is totally submissive to the scriptures. But then there are practical things around church life as well. Uh, for instance, I gave the example yesterday in a membership class. I like the church services in the morning at 10 o'clock. The leaders liked it at 10.30. And nothing's changed. Um, whenever you choose to be late to church, you might be thinking I might disappoint the pastor because he's the only one that can see me. Um, you're not disappointing the pastor. You're refusing to submit to the church. Uh, you're saying you don't fear God. I might like churches, church lunches differently, uh, but I'm scared of Regina. <laughs> I like men's breakfasts, but the men like work. Uh, folks, even a pastor must submit to the church. Uh, and we don't decide everything through church meetings, do we? Uh, so we have leaders. God deliberately gives gifts to the church. Uh, and he gives them, and the church's job, your job if you're a church member here, is to recognize leaders that they might make a whole bunch of decisions for us. Now, we tend to think we've got to find the nicest bloke who can get the most votes. But nice bloke is not how we choose a church leader. Yes, you want your church leaders to be nice blokes. But God gives clear instructions on who should be a leader in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. So we must obey God's instructions. And in this way, Christ is king of his church. As we keep submitting to him and finding scriptures and saying, right, let me bring that in. Find another scripture, let me bring that in. More and more we are becoming a submissive people to God and to one another in the fear of God. Um, and then there's just plain common sense, isn't there? Or they call it light of nature. We, we can't all submit to one another on the same thing at the same time. Uh, you could picture it, couldn't you? We're walking to the door and Sarah and I are walking through the door and we're both fighting over who gets to submit to who. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. And we're fighting at the front door. That's ridiculous. Or, or we come and we, we've got people who want to play the piano. Multiple people to play the piano. And we're saying, no, you go first. No, you go first. We'd never, ever start. 
We get to morning tea. Two of us get there at the same time. There's one pie that's bigger than all the other pies. Who gets the biggest pie? No, you do. No, you do. No, you do. No, I do. Um. <laughs> Surely the answer is with Abraham and Lot. Isn't it? You prefer the other person. You give it up. Um, but submission is more than giving up rights, isn't it? Um, Jesus shows us humble submission when he washed the feet of the disciples. Uh, it, it wasn't just giving up his right. It was love. It was care. It was serve. There was spiritual truth in the whole activity. Uh, submitting to one another involves loving one another. It involves serving your brother and your sister. It's your goal to work for your brother and sister and to think about them first with a view to helping them get to heaven. This is exactly what our job is. Uh, it might include church discipline sometimes, which is totally unsavory. And it's not pastor discipline, it's church discipline. Everyone in the church, every member of the church, has to actively get involved in church discipline. Uh, this week, uh, as I said at the beginning, it was so exciting to see the church at work. One lady chose, she's not from our church, chose to have a baby. A and we were told if we could do two or three meals a week, it would be good. I obviously got the message wrong and passed it on to the ladies. The, this lady was overwhelmed. She got a meal a day. And she had to say, no, I don't want that much. Um, it's so exciting when you turn up to church and you find out one family's been helped by another family. One person's been helped by another person. And it's got nothing to do with us as leaders. It just happens in the context of this church. It's one of the most exciting things of being part of this church. Why would you not want to submit to the church? Why would you not want to enjoy the benefits of submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord? Folks, will you do this? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your church. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. But thank you especially for the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a wonderful example of washing uh, his disciples' feet. Lord, may we be a humble and a serving people, one who will submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, let us sing, Jesus, Lord, we look to thee.